All right, listen up, y'all. I'm y'all substitute teacher, Mr. Garvey. I taught school for 20 years in the inner city, so don't even think about messing with me. Y'all feel me? Okay, mm-hmm. take a roll here. Jay Quellen. Where's Jay Quellen at? No Jay Quellen here? Yeah. Uh, do you mean Jacqueline? Okay. So that's how it's gonna be. Y'all wanna play. Okay, then. I've got my eye on you, Jay Quellen. Balake. Where is Balake at? No Balake here today. Yes, sir. My name's Blake. Are you out of your goddamn mind? Blake. What? Do you want to go to war, Balaki? No. Because we could go to war. No. I'm for real. I'm for real. So you better check yourself. D-nice. Is there a D-nice? If one of y'all says some silly-ass name, this whole class is going to feel my wrath. Now, D-nice. Do you mean Denise? Oh, no. Bitch! You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro-Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl B. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. Yo, folks, how are things? We're back 24 hours after the normal broadcast. We preempted that broadcast. That's the way things work out. Uh, don't worry. We normally broadcast on Wednesdays, but that one moment we decided to push things forward 24 hours. So we're a built off kilt. Uh, don't mind us. Bear with us, please. If you haven't guessed it, yes, this is still the midweek review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk, except that as opposed to Wednesday, obviously it's Thursday. The caller number, despite the change, still the same. 
646-915-9620. Two hours of fun, facts, fire. You know where to go. The place is here. The time is now. Um, I'm going to play this cut that I discovered, actually, a few days ago and discovered this artist by way of the U.K., Folks know that I'm a long-time, long-standing Anglophile, and I'm not, I'm not really shocked, I can't be shocked, that we're getting a dose of blue-eyed soul, and that it is quite good, the artist is quite proficient, it's going down that way. I may or may not give you my rant about what's happening by way of African-American soul, Wherever it is, it's hiding under a rock. We'll talk about it. Nevertheless, I was looking at – I don't think I even finished it. I was looking at uh, the latest episode of Legion, Fox's Legion, which is part of the X-Men mythology. I believe it might have even been the last episode for the series – for the season, pardon me, but it has been approved for season two. Anyway, I heard this song. I didn't have my Shazam available. You know, Shazam is the music search service. So I did a little bit of a Google search. I did it the old school way, just remembered a few lyrics, a few lines, and was able to figure out the song. Anyway, um, I ended up just rapidly downloading this gentleman. And uh, he is he's something else. He sounds like uh, a white British version of Anthony Hamilton. Vocally, he sounds a very to me very similar similar to Anthony Hamilton. Anyway, I suspect he's going to have a, a profitable career. He's probably um I guess the male version of Adele. So without further ado, I want to play a couple of cuts throughout the broadcast from this gentleman. Interesting name, interesting look, UK soul, giving you the best of the urban alternative. This is what we do. This is Rag and Bone. Rag and Bone. Tell them like it is. We'll be right back. Let's groove. Well, a lot of people don't know what the blues mean. They use the word a whole lot of time. Blues is all kinds of blues. Rabbit blues, chicken blues, any kind of blues. There's the name of blues. They say it, but that's not the blues. The blues consists between a male and female. I don't get what nobody Wash my clothes and clean 
sister better watch her mouth I ain't the one to blame Keep your hair and your nails looking fine Don't dress like no hoes Don't be talking to any other guys Keep them titties on show Baby, tell them how it is folks we try to run a clean ship as you know but every once in a while um we'll have to just power through i thought the groove was tough that's a bad boy right there expletives and all anyway rag and bone by way of across the pond folks this is the midweek in review on a thursday uh let's let me introduce you to my partner in white collar crime he is the captain coming in by way of rigel 25.3 Divided by 26 and a half. Captain, you're needed off of Rigel, off world, and on the holodeck once again. Let's get to it. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Now, I'm going to explain this to the gormless, wage-slave, zombie individual. Plebeian that walks about the planet. Now, just pay attention. You ever wonder why you have Asian gangs, white gangs, Latin gangs, black gangs. Everybody on the planet has some type of gang culture. Why why is there cronyism, nepotism, 
and we're so clicky. But whatever you believe, if you believe evolution, that man evolved from apes, if you believe that, or the transgenic chimp theory, where you were made from apes. Either way, it's one of the two that you're going to believe. Transgenic chimp would be actually creation type of theory. What do we see in apes and chips? Cronyism, nepotism, and they're very clicky. And gang culture, especially chimpanzees. They roll on each other, chimpanzees. This is what apes do. Humans do the same thing. Now, you might say, well, you're more advanced than an ape. Well, it's your programming. Look at your programming. All right? Just look at your programming. And it takes thousands and thousands of years to get rid of the programming. You have to develop memes and ideas that quantum superimpose themselves on your DNA. According to people who study DNA, they say it's a sender and receiver of information. So you can receive information from your environment, memes and ideas that change you. But it takes thousands and thousands of years. Unless you're like Kirk Goodall, who could be which is the captain, in case you didn't know, super stupid, more stupid than all the listeners, and used a type of technocracy. It's actually a technology, but I like how technocracy comes off my throat. It's actually technology to change himself from the super, super stupid to where none of you will say that he's stupid now. But you don't have that, all right? You're, You're a normal human. You don't have that type of technocracy. So, hence the programming via the environment with the human. Now, that's just by the by, you know. That's just by the by. That's not what this is really about. Now, this is what this is about. What are the two emotions that drive humanity? Remember, according to scientists, I don't do the work. Scientists do the work. You do all your decisions emotionally, done in the limbic system, and then from the limbic system, you rationalize it within your cerebral cortex. Emotional logic, which is not really true logic, but it's emotional logic. What drives humanity? Fear and greed. Something known by philosophers of the past. Let's explain. Within the black community, black people a lot of times say, well, you know, you know how I do. I come on that black time. Really? We have over a trillion dollars worth of spending power in the black community. Most of us, we're not drug dealers. Most of us are not professional athletes. Most of us are not entertainers. Where is that money going? Where, where, excuse me, not going. Where is that money coming from? Mr. Eurocentric black. It's coming from your Eurocentric job. In order to keep a job, you have to get there on time. So now let's get it. Let's look at your morning, how you get up in the morning. You realize you don't have that job. Here's the fear. Your wife is going to leave you. Can't do things with your kids. No rent where you're going to live. So you might not like the job, but you're going for that fear of not being able to pay your bills. Now, the greed that drives you too is 
You know, I like them rims. I like them extra pair of sneakers. Don't need it, but it's greed. So the fear and greed gets you up in the morning. Some of you might say, well, what about love, Captain? What about love? It's the fear of the loss of love that drives you. When you're in love, you feel a certain way. Most of you will say that. Not just the women, but the men also. More also will say that. Feel a certain way. It's the fear of that loss that drives you to do certain things. Now, good managers, they actually teach this. They have courses on this. What is known as fear management. How to control it, how to manage it, how to make workers do more based on the fear aspect. Fear management. Two emotions we're dealing with. See? Fear and greed. Black people, you're coming late to everything else but that job because you wouldn't have all that spending power. Why is that, black man? There isn't any fear and greed there. So you walk into church late. Where's the fear and greed there? See what I'm saying? Your friend says, come by my backyard, help me clean it up. I need you there at 5. You come there at 530. There's no fear and greed there. Meet me at the club at such and such time. There's no fear and greed there. But there's fear and greed driving you with that job. You see what I'm saying? You see the point of view. So, using fear and greed, the mistake all of these religious gurus, Jesus, Gandhi, and the warlords that we've seen, the warlords use too much fear. The gurus, they gave you too much of a carrot. You hear people talk about carrot and the stick. You have to have the balance of the two in order to drive people forward. Now, let me give you an analogy real quick. <clears throat> Let's look at all the cigarette smokers. Let's say hypothetically, for whatever reason, I had a whole shed load of money, trillions of dollars. You know, the bankers got trillions, or at least they control trillions. And I was able to tap that money. And I said to all the smokers, let's just say the United States, it's Monday. By Saturday, if you don't stop smoking, you're dead. That's the fear. You can't do it that way because you're going to lose maybe 50%, 60% of the population. People are going to fight you on that. Even though you've displayed the power that you can kill them in five, six days. Let's say you displayed it. Right? But you got to go this way. I'm going to still kill you if you don't do it. But here's the carrot. All you smokers, if you want to go back to school, it's for free. Get another degree, get your master's, it's for free. Your rent, I'm going to cut in half for the next five years. Your mortgage, I'll cut in half for the next five years. Your car note, I cut in half for the next five years. Free health care, this is just a hypothetical situation just to show you, for the next five years. If you do not smoke those cigarettes, and I'll give you programs to help you. And I will raise your salary by 25%. That's the carrot. All those things you get. The fear is if you don't do it, you're going to be dead by Saturday. What will most of those people do? They're going to go ahead and go with that. They're going to say, this is a good deal. 
Look what I'm getting here for the next five years. You still will lose about 15% of the population. That's just what people do. But now if I just drive it with fear like the warlords, you're going to lose about 50%. If it's just straight goodness from a good standpoint, excuse me, a little under the weather, from a good standpoint, a lot of people will not take advantage of it. You see now, some of you, when Donald Trump got in office, you started to move because it's a fear. But what's lacking is also the greed. Can't just have fear to drive people. You need fear and the greed. The carrot and the stick. You see? That was the mistake of every guru, every warlord, Gandhi, Jesus, all them types. It's right in your face. Fear and greed. That's what drives humanity. That's why black community Matter of fact, not just black community, that's why everybody gets up in the morning. It's fear and greed driving them. But black people and people outside the black race like to say, black man is lazy. Uh, They're always coming late. A lot of black people like to say that. You come to that job on time, though, because you would not have it. You figure that out. Fear and greed. There isn't fear and greed when you go into church, go into the club, go into the gym. Or anything else that you got to meet up that you always coming late to. And for you to come up, most of the time it's not the job that's going to give you more of a come up. It's something you're looking to do outside of the job. That's going to let you come up. So if you don't have the fear and greed driving you, just like it drives you in the job, a lot of times you will not put enough energy into it, my people. Fear and greed. Remember, according to scientists, not according to the captain, you make your decisions emotionally, then you rationalize them in the cerebral cortex of your brain. Those are the two driving emotions. A lot of you will say it's love. No, it's the fear of loss of love. Fear and greed. Hence, you have a carrot, which is the greed, and the fear is the stick. Everyone moves if they think they're going to die. But you just can't say you're going to kill people. You got to give them a carrot in respect to that in order to move along people, move along a nation. Very ruthless. That was the mistake of the warlords of the past. They try to do everything with fear. doesn't work. People will fight till they die. You can fear the mess out of them, but give them a carrot so they can push along. Food for thought, people. Food for thought. Back over to you, Afro-Nerd. All right. As always, Captain, giving nuggets of wisdom to our listening audience. Folks, you know what time it is, except that it's 24 hours past our normal broadcast day. Uh, We had a preemption. These things happen. But this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afro-Nerd featuring Captain Kirk on a Thursday. The call-in number. You know the drill, people. 646-915-9620. 646-915-9620. For the listeners that we see on our boards, if you'd like to join in on our discourse, you also know the drill in those regards. Um, Press 1. It's like raising a virtual hand. Press 1. That way we know that you want to go beyond listening to what we're talking about. Uh, And, you know, if you have any 
questions, queries, protestations, disagreements, you know my spiel. Feel free to join on in. Anyway, um, I want to dovetail a bit, Captain, off of what you were just talking about. And I have to remind myself not to get lulled into certain vortexes. I'm very open to disagreements, believe it or not. Some folks may think that's not the case. Uh, Afro nerd is so uh, rigid in certain ways, and you know it's hard to get him to change, change his mind. If you present the facts, if you present the facts, and I know it's very difficult to talk this way with the current zeitgeist, where everything seems to be just awry, that there's no way to really know what's, what's real, what's not real. But in my book, in my book, I can come over to your way of thinking if you present the facts. When your facts are, when your facts are off kilt, that's where you lose me. I really can't dismantle the facts or scholarship or research. Those kind of things are very important. Many times on this broadcast, we just do not talk out of our hind parts. We will refer to some kind of literature, literature, scholarship, news program, expert, something. So, what am I getting at? The word troll and trolling. Um, what the captain was talking about in regards to, quote unquote, what's happening, how people act, being, being controlled, tribalism, those kind of things. I'm beginning to see clearly, and I'm going, to, I'm going to expand the argument. I'm going to expand the argument, but I can see clearly that some folks, and I don't always want to talk about race. I, I don't like talking about race so much because I, I do feel that it's, it's, it makes me feel primitive. <laughs> I don't like feeling primitive. I don't. I believe in that Star Trek stuff. I really do. I believe in the in the uh, Hubble Hubble uh, telescope and those kind of things. What am I getting at still? Trolling, the concept of trolling. It's a little it's a little deeper than someone bugging you with your Twitter page or with your Facebook or on social media. I wanted to make sure exactly what I was talking about was accurate. So I looked up the etymology for trolling on the internet. And I know instinctively trolling deals with being virtual, some virtual medieval medieval creature. We know what trolling is, Norse mythology. Hell, I read Thor comic books, so I know what a troll is. And I know that for those who bug folks or follow them or, or, or the act of trolling, what that means. But I, but I also thought that I think trolling is an aspect of controlling, meaning I, I see uh, folks like Bill O'Reilly. When Bill O'Reilly came in recently, and we're going to get into that topic, we're going, we're going to go to a groove because I, I want to dispense out, dispense the music. I want to disseminate the urban alt groove desperately. But when you saw that clearly, and this is, this is not subjectively, 
but objectively, Captain, I may have my differences of opinion with uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, but I can't. I cannot discount her connection to the African American community, her connection to uh, the political world, uh, her prominence as a political professional, her prominence as a historical figure, I cannot discount that. So it's not really about her and her politics. But when people when people are on target, which is which she which she is in deconstructing this present presidential administration. And she goes through a litany of charges in a very masterful, eloquent way. And Bill O'Reilly, who's paid millions of dollars to essentially be a troll, he trolled, he trolled Maxine Waters. And for the most part, I don't think she necessarily reacted to it in, in, in the way that he probably would want her to. But if she did, and unfortunately many of us might have reacted, it's a form of controlling. It's not just someone being this mythological creature and being uh, a bugaboo. I find myself looking at how many of us react to to phenomena that are clearly straight in your face, can't be deconstructed. It is what it is. But the truth has been tampered with. So you have folks that know this. They'll look you straight in the eye, tell you a lie. They will troll you, whether it's virtual trolling or to your face, and you you get into this um, in an emotional tither. You lose your cool, and you've been controlled. So I think trolling, if you really extrapolate it to the to, – to, to the to the most of it, to what it really means, it's more than just being this 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 critter that bugs you. It's more about letting that critter get to you and causing you to lose your cool when you know the facts. And even yours truly gets trolled every once in a while. I don't even know if the person doing your trolling thinks of herself or himself as a troll, but. When you misstate the facts, when you misstate what Afro Nerd Radio represents, clearly, this show, we talk about things, we talk about a range of science, science, science fiction. Hell, we talk about comic books and, and, and virtual worlds, and we talk about the different dementia, dimensions, pardon me, <laughs> not dementia, different dimensions. Um, all, we, politics, everything that an Afro Nerd represents. We talk about it. But when you, when you misstate what we do and say that we are just focused on uh, coonery or minstrelsy, that's just not correct. So I had to say, you know what? I'm being trolled. I'm being trolled, and therefore I'm being controlled, and I cannot allow that. Anyway, that's enough of me on my soapbox. We're going to get into the meat. We're going, we're going to talk about Congressman uh, Waters. We're going to talk about April Ryan. Uh, we're, we're a few days out, but I think the topics, topics are still hot. 
We're going to give you some information. A Georgetown University employee discovers that uh, his his employer also quote uh, open quote <laughs> his employer also was in, employed his descendant close quote meaning that you know Georgetown University in the last couple of months has um, gained some notoriety for admitting to their slave holding past so this gentleman found out that he his descendant was sold in order to maintain the solvency of Georgetown University and uh, it's fair to say that without the, the, the sale of his ancestor and I think 200 some odd other um, enslaved Africans if that did not happen we may not know about Georgetown to this day no, no Hoyas <laughs> that would not be going down, which is a rivalry to, rivalry to my uh, my graduate school, St. John's University. Anyway, folks, um, let's go to more of this urban alternative groove. I'm really digging this cat across the pond. Um, I think he's the male version of Adele. I see our friend from Chi-Town is on hold. We'll get to him in a moment after the quick musical break. Uh, this cat you know, the UK blue-eyed soul, man. Uh, I don't care of I don't care about the housing you're in as far as color. Uh, you know, I, I talked about my rant about color. Just the term color is just stupid. You have a different color than me. Like people are supposed to be the same color. It's like food coloring. Anyway, I don't want. I can go on. Anyway, I'm just concerned about that for those in this country uh, who have the same talent. Why aren't they getting the same kind of uh, accolades and and focus? It, it, it's curious to me. Why aren't black folks allowed to kind of do this kind of music anymore? Not really. Not really. Anyway, I can't hate on the man. He's damn good. One more cut from this gentleman, then we go to other stuff. Rag and bone. Rag and bone. Human. We'll be right back. Let's groove.
forgiveness for making you cry. Making you cry. I'm only human after all. I'm only human after all. Don't put your blame on me. Don't put your blame on me. If I'm looking in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see a mirror? Or I do you see? And what you believe? Cause I'm only human after all. I'm only human after all. Don't put your blame on me. Once again, that was UK's finest, relatively new artist, actually, Rag and Bone Human Remix. And this is the Midweek in Review edition on a Thursday, featuring yours truly and, of course, the, the captain, captain of the starship, Afro nerd, Captain James T. Kirk. Um, let's go to the phones. Our friend from Chi-Town, bring him in. Uh, we're going to transition and get, get more in-depth with this a couple of things that they, they're actually putting these two stories together in some ways. Uh, we're dealing with women of color, African-American women, accomplished women at that, Maxine Waters, and, of course, April Ryan. Uh, it, it, it appears to be blatant and blunt disrespect. But at the same time, I feel, as I just said in the last diatribe, that there's a bit of controlling slash trolling going on that we – we, we react to these things, we get emotional, and I feel we, we kind of lose a little bit when people get us off of, our, off of our game, when they push us off of our podium, so to speak. It, it throws us off, I think. But maybe I'm wrong. Let's get it into, let's get into it. Uh, 312. Sergio, is that you? Yes, it is. Yes, it is me. Um... Yes, it is me. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't see why anybody can disagree with what you just said. It is total disrespect. And I will tell you, I have not, in the past, not been a fan of the uh, congressman from California, Maxine Waters. I have not. But, you know, they said she's nearly 80 years old, believe it or not. Yes. Mm-hmm. And amazing how great she looks. And, um, well, black don't crack. Uh but, you know, someone with that kind of – with her experience and her um, longevity and all the things she's accomplished, I think she was very badly treated by this – what's this guy's name? Bill O'Reilly. O'Reilly. You know, right. It, right. This this smirking, the laughingness, even his apology, he was laughing through it, this total disrespect. And um, it started a tweet storm, and it's not going to hurt him. Of course, because first of all, uh, black people don't watch his show. Black people don't watch Fox News. Uh, basically, as I said before, and there's no question about it, the um, the average audience 
for Fox News are white guys 65 years and older. You know, they have an old white audience uh, from the who still think in the past. So it's not going to affect him at all. Um, so, you know, there's nothing – and same thing with April Ryan. Um, that, in that one, maybe you can argue he was disrespectful to the song Spicer, or you can say he's just a jerk to everyone, because he is. Um, in that case, I'm not really sure was it a racial thing, because he's just a jerk to everyone, you know. So, but in, it's still regardless. They're both professionals. They've been in the business for a long time, and they demand much better respect than what they've gotten. I, I would agree. You know, I'm going to play this clip. Uh, we'll try to bear with it. There's actually two clips that I have. I'll play a couple of moments, a couple of minutes of each clip just to kind of get into it a, a bit deeper. Um, this is from CNN. It, it appears that um, who's, who is the uh, April? Nah, Angela Rye. Angela Rye seems to be somewhat of a rising star as far as a political commentator. Oh, they love her on CNN. They love her, you know. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> she's not hard on the eyes. Let's be let's be frank about that. But she also fulfills... <laughs> let's be honest, yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie, you know. Uh, she's definitely Afro Nerd Radio approved, but uh, physically. <laughs> and, and, you know, but my, my only issue with her really is she kind of fulfills a certain stereotype, histrionics, over the top, a bit emotional. But she, she's tight lyrically, but she's also very proficient in, in spewing out mainstream black propaganda. Like, uh, she, you know what we do here, uh, Sergio, you've been following us for years. I do, we do honestly believe, we do honestly believe in that whole Halle Berry thing, make me feel good. So she goes into these rants that make black folks feel good and I can deconstruct some of what she says some of what she says can be deconstructed you know God forbid that you do that but uh, a few times though I give credit where credit is due a few times she weighed in in a very tough way so sometimes I, I have to give, give kudos but I've seen other things where she takes missteps because she, she is so rabidly pro-black and I interpret pro-blackness differently. I was more like her, believe it or not, I was more like her when I was a, when I was a kid. <laughs> when, when, the, when the oracle raised me, you know, black and proud, at your fist in the air, I have, uh, I, ha- I believe that, but I have an asterisk with it. <laughs> I do. Once the ghetto, ghetto, ghettoization, pardon me, when the ghettoization came about, that's when I had to, I had to kind of change that a little bit. She's still stuck in 1985 for my purposes. Anyway, let's go to this clip, and uh, I'm going to keep, you, keep your mic open. Hold on, folks. CNN. Back now with my panel. Hi, panel. Welcome back. Someone on Twitter said, Don, get control of your panel. It, that is easier said <laughs> than done, especially when you're dealing with this group. Just so you know, the only thing I can do is sometimes say, we got to go or cut the mic, and then people are like, you won't let him talk. Well, that's the only control I have because they yell over me. Okay, so I'm going to continue to talk about April Ryan. I don't mind it. Come on, you know, I'm thick-skinned. So uh, I, April Ryan, we're going to continue, but I want to expand this and talk about Bill O'Reilly on Fox coming under fire for this comment uh, on Fox and Friends where he mocked Representative Maxine Waters, her hair, while she was delivering a speech on the floor of the House of Representatives. Here it is. We're so- 
saying to those who say they're patriotic, but they turned a blind eye to the destruction that he's about to, to cause this country. You're not nearly as patriotic as we are. So what does that mean, Bill? We've been listening all morning. We cannot I, I didn't hear a word she said. I was, <laughs> I was looking at the James Brown wig. <laughs> <laughs> if we have a picture of James, it's the same, it's the same one. Right. No, okay. And he's not using I it anymore. I got to defend her on that. You guys are all wrong I have to defend her on that. She's a, you can't go after a woman's looks. I think she's very attractive. But she, I didn't say she wasn't attractive. Her I love James please. Brown. So he did apologize. Yeah, well, the, so, so, so the, the, an extremely intelligent, accomplished, respected woman. Why reduce her to that, Paris, and talk about her hair? Because Simone brought up the, you know, the disrespecting of a woman of color. Here's another woman of color. Why do that? I, I think, Don, we should first start. We always go to the race card, and I don't think that that's that's relevant. I don't think this is a racial thing at all. There are plenty of racists in this world. And we should use, and we should be sure that when we call somebody a racist or we say that they are, that they actually are. So I just think that we need to Can stop I, that. Now, now, let me Paris, finish. I mean, let me Please. say this. I got to say this. I will let you finish. But even it. all the white guys in the studio are side-eyeing you right now. They're he all like, he needs to be side-eyed. Mm -hmm. well, he needs to be side-eyed. But, but go ahead, Paris. Let him finish. Let him no, finish. Let, let, let me finish. I, I think what it is is he did. Bill O'Reilly said what he said was in jest, and he said it was dumb. He apologized for it, and if you played the rest of the clip. Uh, he did go on to say that he likes Maxine Congress. Said she was old school. She believes what she said. And it's and, old yeah. school because the title of his book is old school. So the yeah. whole segment was about that. But he also said yeah. she's a woman who isn't a phony. She believes what she says, and she is someone who is genuine. Yeah. He, said he did it, say he that. Said, He's right. He said it was dumb, but and he apologized for it. Go ahead, Angela. Okay. So let me help you. In case you thought that this was Bill O'Reilly's first racist moments, he has a record of saying racist comments. Let me bring you back to July. Slaves that worked there were well-fed and had decent lodgings provided by the government, which stopped hiring slave labor in 1802. That is in response to Michelle Obama saying that her kids are playing on the White House lawn, which was built by the, at the hands of slaves. This man has a pattern and practice of calling black men thugs, of making fun of Congresswoman Waters' hair. He's President intimidated Obama by her. We thugs. Don't do it. Don't do it, Paris. Don't do Back. it today. Don't do it today. The did President Obama call us thugs? Bill President Obama did call people thugs. All right, we're talking you about guys, Bill O'Reilly. Go on. You guys stay about going down a rabbit hole that is irrelevant. Your boy is a racist. He needs to be fired. His apology Don, isn't sufficient. If, Race baiting is if, when you continue to utilize. If, why? Why can't you? Why can't you ever just hush? Race baiting. <laughs> let him, let him get in. Let him get in. If he said to you, he'd be a racist. Okay, sure. but here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the I, thing. I no, have not listened to my knowledge. To my voice. knowledge, and I could be wrong. I have never heard Bill O'Reilly talk about anybody else's hair. Because I'm sure there are a lot of people there, and maybe the lady. I don't know if she does. She may have some hair extensions out there on Fox and Friends. And there are sure a lot of women who are on that very network have some wigs or some. That's what ladies do. So what's, what's, what's I'm, just, I'm just saying, or but that's we. what, and there's Done. absolutely nothing wrong with it. There's nothing Why wrong bring with that up? I've never seen him bring that up about a white woman. That's all I'm saying. Here's what I'll say. If you're going to say that Maxine Waters, these comments that Bill O'Reilly made, and they were, they, were, they were dumb comments, and I'm glad he apologized for them. They were stupid. Obviously, they were off the cuff, and, and obviously, he realized he made a mistake. But if you're going to throw out the race card every single time and say he should be fired and everything should else, be. then should Maxine Waters resign for demanding that we impeach Donald Trump before he'd ever done anything when he was elected president? Isn't she a well, racist for saying I it's a white guy that was elected well, president?
All right. <laughs> Let me go to one more clip, and then we will get into it even more deeply. Um, I believe this is the the Young Turks discussing the same thing. Um, uh, yes. Okay. Hold on one moment. Young Turks, same topic. Give you about two minutes of this. Hold on. Bill O'Reilly goes on Fox and Friends, and one of the most shocking aspects of the story is that one of them actually made sense. It was not Bill O'Reilly. They were talking about Maxine Waters. Uh, I love the way that Maxine Waters turned uh, this whole uh, idea around about how we're more American, not you. You guys don't believe in the Constitution. I've said this a thousand times. Conservatives like an authoritarian form of government. They don't like democracy. Uh, they, there's so many parts of our Constitution they just simply don't believe in. Anyway, so she's talking about policy. Listen to what Bill O'Reilly is going to say instead. Watch. We stand up for America, oftentimes when others who think they are more patriotic, who say they are more patriotic, do not. When we fight against this president and we point out how dangerous he is for this society and for this country, we're fighting for the democracy. We're fighting for America. We're saying to those who say they're patriotic, but they turned a blind eye to the destruction that he's about to, to cause this country. You're not nearly as patriotic as we are. So what does that mean, Bill? We've been listening all morning. We I, cannot I didn't hear a word she said. I was, <laughs> I was looking at the James Brown wig. <laughs> <laughs> if we have a picture of James, it's the same it's one. It's the same one. No, right. And he's okay. not using it anymore. You guys are all, you're all wrong. I have this. to defend her on that. She's a, you can't go after a woman's looks. I think she's very attractive. But she, I didn't say she wasn't attractive. Her I hair. love James Brown. But it's okay. the same hair James exactly. Brown, are the godfather of soul, had. So he had girl hair. Uh, whatever it is, I just couldn't get by it. <laughs> what does that mean that they're more patriotic? That's crazy. They're not even white. How's that possible? Hey, let's talk about her hair. That's really funny. Now, credit to Ainsley Earhart there, who actually was a rare voice of reason, maybe a unique voice of reason ever in Fox and Friends history. But of course, Kilmeade, and <laughs> him with the empty eyes. Anyway, uh, by the way, later in the conversation, uh, Kilmeade said, uh, oh yeah, about James Brown, they just finally buried him. James Brown passed away in 2006. <laughs> just random Total non-factual things in the middle of Fox and Friends, as they do. There was a big dispute over something before they could bury him. And then so it was actually a really bad situation where it took a while, longer than the normal time frame, to bury him because of disputes over whatever was going on with his, with yeah. his estate or something. But it was really sad. So actually to in, then evoke the drama that went around his death is even more distasteful. If you're thinking, hey, look, this wig thing is... I mean, it's a stupid joke, but it's not that big a deal. No, you got, look, there's a certain way that they treat uh, African Americans and uh, specifically African American women. Now, I know if you, if you haven't seen it with your own eyes, you're going to go, oh, come on, Jank, it's just a stupid wig joke. That's not true. Okay, so hear me out now. In fact, I want you to hear uh, conservative commentators out. So, on the same legislator, Maxine Waters, U.S. Congresswoman, now let's go back to 2012 and look at Eric Bowling and what he said to about her on Fox News. How's this, the Congresswoman? You saw what happened to Whitney Houston. Step away from the crack pipe. Step oh, away from the oh, Danny. Oh, 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 step oh, away from the ways of because it's going to get you in trouble. I, it, how was she explained those terms? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> 
of course, how else do you explain an African American legislator, but references the crack pipes and James Brown wigs. And if you're saying, no way, man, this is all great, man. It's just a wild coincidence that she happens to be black and they're talking about crack pipes and James Brown wigs and that's nothing wrong with that at all. You know who doesn't agree with you? Bill O'Reilly, because he just apologized. He said, as I've said many times, I respect Congresswoman Maxine Waters for being sincere in her beliefs. I said that again today on Fox and Friends, calling her, quote, old school. Unfortunately, I also made a jest about her hair, which was dumb. I apologize. So very good for Bill O'Reilly apologizing. I appreciate that. I think a lot of people do. Uh, and and you know, I wish they would focus on what she was actually saying. But of course, they don't want to do that because she's very right about how progressives represent real American values, and 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 conservatives don't, and often run from those values. Now, uh, if you're thinking, well, I mean, it's just a one-off. They really don't like Maxine Waters. No. Now I'm going to show you a couple of clips here. First, we're going to show you Alex Jones on Michelle Obama. So notice the consistent theme, African American women aren't really women. And this is a trope from a long time ago. And no matter how much you say racism is in the past, it keeps popping its head back up. Listen to his long diatribe about how she's actually a man, watch. Now, 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 let me go ahead and show you this. This is the two ladies. And we've had doctors on about this. Her shoulders are too wide. She's on like the 100th percentile of women, okay, with her body type. Her arms, everything. She always has this pooch, like she's wearing either a codpiece or has genitalia, okay? Now, she looks like a man. Like, dude looks like a lady. Lady looks like a dude. And this is a funny cartoon. It's Ben Garrison. They're always calling racist and bad. And I mean, I'm sorry. It's true. All right, I had to play some of those clips. I know. That, I hope you were bearing with us to our listening audience, um, just for the sake of clarification, edification. I wanted you to hear really what's going on out there, and I thought that the Young Turks were going in pretty in a pretty deep fashion in making the connection with other other slights levied toward Black women of a similar nature, and I, I guess again I'm at the point now when you listen to this stuff. It is so beyond stupid and so much, so much about being trolled and being controlled that I, I can't react to this stuff. I mean, I, I guess you're supposed to slap these people down. I, I, I can appreciate that. But that you, you'll be a busy camper trying to slap down people who are clearly deranged. Grown, a grown man like uh, Alex Jones, who, who's uh, making money by clearly being just appealing to the folks that might as well be, you must be talking about, uh, you must be talking about spaceships. To, to talk about um, the former first lady, talk about her, her sex and or gender. I mean, to, to give that some kind of serious discussion and for people to kind of ride along with that and, and, and to, quote, believe that, unquote, no. I mean, if, if you're not going to entertain people who say the world is flat, although some folks are trying to run that, run with that. I look at, look at it the same way. I, I can't take you seriously. Uh, the, the, the issue, and I wish folks really would have attacked it a little bit more concretely with Bill O'Reilly, was he wasn't prepared 
to deconstruct, I hate, I hate to overuse the word, but it's, it's just a perfect word. He wasn't prepared to deconstruct what Congressman Waters was actually talking about. He couldn't go there, so he had to go to uh, clowning her, playing the dozens. You're a grown man. You're like almost 70 years old. What, what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? I think people need to start to embarrass. But there's a thing, and I'm gonna, I, want, uh, I want the captain and I want Sergio to weigh in. There's a thing, thanks to the millennials, where we can't shame people. See, if we brought back shaming, really, these people need to be shamed. I, I would have said that you, you need to be seeing more people cross-racially. I mean, now we're seeing more black folks kind of speaking out on this, but again, you're speaking out from a place of being emotional. You need, you need to be serving your revenge cold. And you, you say in a deadpan way, wow, I thought this guy was a journalist. I thought he was an esteemed, uh, an esteemed commentator. Why would someone who's esteemed, you know, well, Maxine Waters actually did respond in a rather masterful way, saying, this guy's not serious. We've seen him. He's had to settle several. He and Roger Ailes had to settle several uh, lawsuits that were uh, very much about being just reprehensible towards ex-wives and towards women. I mean, you know, who are these guys? See, we're not hearing of people really shaming them and breaking their asses down. It's too much. It's too much of a, of this reacting and being emotional about the statement, you move, you move the statement to the side and say, no. You're not a real person. Everyone else knows 2 plus 2 is 4. You insist that it's 10. You have to, you have to deal with it from that point of view. But, re, but reacting to the trolling is a form of control. Uh, Serge, any thoughts? Okay, once again, as I said, these guys, they're not journalists. They're uh, they are. I know this is not. This is not. I don't mean this as an excuse or anything like that. But they appeal to a certain audience. They know their audience, right? I guarantee you, if Alex Jones had been hired for NBC, he wouldn't be saying that shit. Or same thing with Bill <laughs> O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly's story was that his great dream. He wanted to be the next Dan Rather. He wanted to be Walter Conkite. That was his dream, and it didn't happen for him. And he became very, he became very better, and he lucked into. Don't forget, he used to be the host of what's that thing? Inside Edition years ago, and then he happened to luck into Fox and realize that this was his shtick. You know, a piece of angry white guy. Now, over the years, he may you may say that it was a con, but you can argue that over the years he's began to believe what he says. Um, you know, they're going to keep going until you know until they old or they get die or finally their ratings go down. And and look, don't forget, um, um, uh, Fox News only gets a fraction of what other networks get. Oprah Winfrey Network gets almost three times the audience that Fox News gets. They're, they're, if somebody once said, I think it was David Brooks in the New York Times, more people own ferrets 
than watch Fox News. <laughs> we give them way too much, um, you know, cred for what they do or the po- how powerful they are. Um, so always keep that in mind. You know, you, you play the Young Turks, which I'm a fan of. I watch the Young Turks regularly. The Young Turks gets a phenomenally huge audience online, more than CNN, C- CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News combined, maybe two or three times over. You know, who's really more powerful? Is it St. Euchre or is it um, Bill O'Reilly? Well, that's, a, that's a fair question. Um, Cap, what are your thoughts about this, about this whole thing? We didn't even get into the April Ryan thing, but it's kind of cut from a, sim- from a similar cloth. Although I would agree with Sergio that it's going to be harder to pin racism on Spicy. <laughs> because Spicy, we've seen, we've seen um, uh, McCarthy, Melissa McCarthy, and I'm pretty sure I can already write, I can already write this upcoming Saturday's SNL skit based on what just happened. The the piece of lettuce that was stuck in his teeth and a a, a uh, head-shaking black reporter. I can see how that's going to go down. But he, he's been an a-hole to everybody. That's his, that's his thing. I mean, you know, he's interpreting Donald Trump, I guess. He's the spokesperson. Anyway, Cap, your thoughts about this whole debacle. Well, a lot of these so-called journalists are masquerading as shock jock. So it could be shock jock journalism. So it's an act. Just as Sergio says, you play to a certain audience, you get the numbers. He has, you know, from his standpoint, you know, he has a big platform. So you just play to that and you cater to that. And that's what he is. He's not someone really to be taken seriously. You know, This, this is not like what we had on, you know, 60 Minutes, where you had serious journalists. That's journalism. Those people they have sitting down with you. This is not that. You know, this is, I point my finger, my finger has power, and then when I point my finger, everyone goes, ooh, you know. <laughs> That's the game yes. that we play there. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Uh, are we there? Are we there? Still here? Yeah. No, I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, okay, 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 yeah. So that's what you're dealing with with, with this individual, particular individual, you know? And at the end of the day, he's an a-hole. He's an a-hole, yeah. you know? And he may be on slightly the racist side, but he is an a-hole. He's an a-hole to everybody, you know? That's his corner. That's what I think about Mr. O'Reilly. I, I guess my concern with O'Reilly and all these other folks, you could put Sean Hannity in the same boat, Mark Levin. Yeah, another one. <laughs> all these guys. Another one. All these guys have a similar similar shtick, and it's about it's about trolling. It's about trolling black folks, trolling folks of color, trolling progressives. And I say this as someone who's who's more on a conservative bent, more libertarian. But uh, heck, even even the the conservatives, the conservatives of old, will be considered Democrats. In this in this realm, the people that used to be controversial, going back many years, um, who am I thinking of? The father of modern conservatism. Uh, well, I can't think of his name. Uh, of the National Review. Uh, um, it, um, um, Buckley. Yeah, Buckley. Buckley, right? William Buckley. Um, we you could go to what we can go to uh, YouTube, 
and look at his, uh, I believe at, at Oxford, he had a um, debate with James Baldwin. And you can't, you can't debate James Baldwin. Sorry. Anyway, but he made, a, he made an attempt. He made an attempt. But those kind of guys were more learned, more droll. Uh, this, this, they weren't really prone, for history, prone to histrionics. This is a whole different breed of conservative. And, and again, even discussing Donald Trump, and Donald Trump, you can, see, you can see clearly he is out of his league on this one. Every word, it, it's about kind of giving you a dig. It, it's someone who's completely BSing his way through the process. I mean, he, he literally BSed his way to the White House. But, you know, because of who he is, what he is, and his money, we like to kind of, not we, but many of us, would like to, to, to give more weight to individuals that are, uh, that are successful. Because he is a moneyed white male, that automatically means that he knows what he's doing. But clearly he does not. I mean, this isn't really, even, this isn't really a subjective, uh, a, a, a subjective asser- assertion. It, this is more really objectively when you look at the guy and how he speaks, his limited lexicon, everything about, about Trump, it's not that it's someone that can't be taken seriously, but and yet we're supposed to take him seriously. And it's people trying to cover up their failings. And when you delineate one, two, three, four, five, why you are misstepping, which is what April Ryan did. April Ryan was just trying to hammer him on the facts. He didn't like it. And you will talk about someone's head shaking when you can't really answer a damn question. You will talk about somebody's wig when you can't deconstruct what they say. And I'm used to it because, uh, Captain, you know this intimately. There's positions that I've taken on this show that folks have come around to after many years. So I I knew I was very, very right about this stuff. I knew what I was talking about. I wasn't talking out of my behind. But uh, when I first started started AfroNerd Radio and AfroNerd the blog, the the original blog, which is still up, which is still available, the Afro Nerd Blogspot blog. Um, I had quite a few detractors come on, the the original trolls, and they would say things like, "You can't be a black person." No, no, black people don't speak this way. You're not you're not a black person. Uh, either vocally or what I was writing, they they didn't like it, and you would get. I would get my fair share of ad hominem attacks. And that's oftentimes what happens is that instead of someone dealing with what you said and dismantling what you say, they'd rather call you a name. They're going to call you an Uncle Tom, or they're going to say that you're not really a black person, as if there's one type of black person, which is very insulting. Or even those who, or even those who, who uh, when you talk about minstrels you have folks who would tell you well what what's a minstrel or you know is this am i do, do i have do i provide the litmus test for minstrelsy when there are when there are clearly minstrels you know people get angry for those who point out the minstrels over the actual minstrels so if that's the case i can't i can't have a conversation with you if we can't even agree that a there's such a thing as a minstrel b that we should that they should be dealt with and see, 
you you appear to be more angry with me than the people that are uh, profiting and profiteering off of being a coon, then we can have a conversation. <laughs> then we can have a conversation because you're going to call me a name. And, that, and I already know, oh, you're, you lost. <laughs> you know, fatality, as, it, as in the Mortal Kombat game. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, folks. And by the way, can I add yeah. something? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, you played the earlier clip with Angela Rye. And on the show, because I saw that clip. I've seen that clip before. On the show was this guy I cannot figure out. His name is Paris Denard. Okay. Um, <laughs> he he is a uh, he is a, a masochist, and the reason I call him a masochist is because he is okay. He is a gay black Republican who um, um, is on CNN all the time to be a surrogate for the Trump people, and his basic job seems to be is to be embarrassed, to be totally torn apart. Sometimes by Angela Rye, sometimes by brilliantly by um, the guy from the New York Times, uh, the columnist Charles Blow. Oh yes, yes. Um, but but other people, and I go like, what is what what's in it for this guy? I mean, he just embarrasses himself. I I can't figure him out. Um, considering that he's a gay black Republican. Uh, <laughs> that you know he would be more reasonable, maybe. But uh, you know what? How, how, how does he feel about this, the GOP stance against gay marriage? I don't understand the guy, and he just goes on TV all the time and just it just gets slaughtered, slaughtered. And doesn't he realize that he's not doing himself any good? And if his job, he's always had these little BS jobs like minority recruitment in the GOP or something like that. He's <laughs> yeah. not bringing any black people into the GOP, this guy? Well, he's a, he's a mystery to me. I, I wonder, I, I didn't have enough time to actually pull the clip of another Angela Rye performance and some of this stuff based on what you're even talking about. And I know, you're, I know what you're talking about. Uh, some of this stuff comes off as if it's a type of performance art where people go into these histrionics, they play their roles, it gets people excited, there's a whole bunch of emotionalism, and they pass the mic around, and people get upset. This whole thing about being upset over opinions and not knowing how to kind of comport yourself, that, that's part of the fun of these kind of uh, talking head programs. But I will, con- I will confess that one quote-unquote quote, performance, unquote, that Angela Rye um, performed um, was, I think it was, uh, she, got into a, she got into a Twitter beef with a former congressman. I think he was a one-term congressman. Do you, do you recollect that? Yeah, yeah, he's in Illinois. This is about him, Walsh. Joe Walsh. Yeah, I Walsh, can, yeah, I can tell you about him. He's from Illinois, right. Well, I don't have the clip of this. I wish I had, had enough time to, to get the clip. But it's probably her oh. best dismantling of Walsh. Because uh, Walsh, you know, her, her, this whole thing was he – the rebuttal – a lot of the most of these rebuttals center on well, why do you bring up race? Why are you playing the race card? Um, and then, but he she accurately pointed out in her rebuttal that wait a minute, you're talking about me bringing up race, but then you said that Obama 
that that uh, the standard had to be lowered lowered to 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 have Obama as president. So they're going back and forth, and then when she said, "We're clearly," I'm just kind of paraphrasing what she said, but she she had said clearly, um, based on President Trump's comportment and all of these issues, a hundred some odd days in, would you say that we lowered the bar for for Donald Trump? Or if, and and then she said even beyond that, was the is the bar lower for Trump than Barack Obama? Is the bar lower for, for Donald Trump than Barack Obama? He was speechless. That's, a, I, that's when I said, okay, that's it. When you can't respond, literally speak, I said, okay, that's, a, that's the, best, the best performance that Angela Rye has ever given. And I would suggest to our listening audience, I could probably find it and put it in the chat room. But CNN, I think yesterday or day before yesterday, Joe Walsh versus Angela Rye, and she cut him. She cut him. See, when you, when you, if you can get away from being hysterical and just lay out the facts, he was, he was, he was cut. He was cut. That was yeah, it. He, he was. He's, he's a, he's a former one-term congressman from. Of northern suburbs in Chicago, um, he, a failed actor. Believe it or not, he originally was a failed actor. He actually originally once was a student at the Actors Studio, where Brando and uh, De Niro and Pacino and Paul Newman, the Method Studio. That's what he he, he attended. That um, he was a nobody. Uh, he decided to cash in on the extreme right wing tip, of a Rush Limbaugh. Lasted what was a joke. Lasted um, one 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 term as a congressman, and of course he's notorious here around this area because he owes his wife hundreds of thousands of dollars in child support in arrears, which he's never paid for yet. Something which Andrew Rye brought out. During his debate with him, and that shut him up. He had no response to that. You know, she said something like, "You know, we. What, you mean the we that you still owe child support to?" He didn't say anything about that. Uh, he, he, you know, briefly at one time he had a radio show in Chicago trying to cash in on the whole right wing Sean Hannity thing. It, I don't think he's on radio anymore. I don't think so. I think it went nowhere. No one was listening to him. There's you, Joe Walsh. I just put a link. In the chat room of the debate on CNN between Joe Walsh and Angela Rye. Again, Angela Rye is out of the uh, Seattle area, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, she's quite a firebrand. I, I repeat, not hard on the eyes. Uh, the only issue I have with her is that her policy, I, I think she even said, um, I, I listened to her on Charlemagne's podcast, Charlemagne the God, a uh, New York local DJ. Um, who has a problem with the English English language, but, you know, minstrels get work. <laughs> anyway, uh, she was on his podcast, and um, she, she had actually uh, – I lost my train of thought. <laughs> it happens. It, 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 oh, yeah. She had, she had said – she had spoken about being religious, and, and, you know, there's things about her that, you know, she, she, again – She's she's fine. She you know she's fine as a person and fine to look at, but 
I just, eh, when I start hearing someone who's a little little religious, little religi, little religi, and and she says she would never deal with a conservative, like she would never she would never date a conservative. That's what that's what I remember. That that affected me personally. <laughs> she said she would never what? date a conservative. I was like, okay, wait a minute. So you have to date you have to date someone who is is rabidly liberal like yourself. Like I, I don't I don't care about her her politics like that. As far as intimacy or dating or just having a girlfriend or a wife, but she just wouldn't date a conservative. I said, okay, you are an ideologue then. Because it's got because everything because every, everything that comes out of a liberal's mouth is not always it's not always that correct and vice versa. But she said, oh, I would never date a conservative. Said, okay, that's why I, I, she lost me on that one personally. Our friend, and I, I, you reminds me of something too. I wanted to bring up. This is Q Storm Q. Is that you? Yes, sir. So you, you're the, gonna um, I can enlist you with, for some help. Is that what you're saying to me? Yeah, you need some help, bro. You need some help, bro. Because, I mean, I'm saying this to be facetious. To our listening audience, you know who Q-Storm is from uh, the Red Shirts podcast, the infamous Red Shirts podcast, and, of course, Podcast Juice, discussing the late Minneapolis finest. Great podcast. Great work over there. Great great work (laughs) over there. However, however, uh, your boy, I'm not going to mention his name. (laughs) I'm not going to go there. I, I was speaking in a shady, shady way in my last diatribe, and I mean this is it's kind of jokes. Nothing, nothing against him personally, but uh, I will say this: let me not be so cryptic. Um, you were discussing St. Patrick's Day. I knew yes. exactly. I knew exactly what you were talking about, and I could break that down so proficiently. And. I, your boys were acting clueless about what you were talking about. What, what, I'm listening. Like, really? No one knows about this. No one knows about this. I, I, I have. You, you know what? Q, let, let's go to a groove for a minute, folks. This is the uh, midweek in review on a Thursday. I'm going to keep your mics. I'm going to put you guys, pipe you down, bring you back up because I'm kind of segueing off the cuff. And this is an interesting topic. We're going to talk about uh, for a few moments. Our friend Q Storm's uh, topic on another show, on his own show, about cutting to the chase, black folks' affinity for celebrating other ethnic holidays to your to your own detriment. Is that a fair assessment, Q? Yeah, well, to be clear, I don't. I, the point I was making was. I don't have a problem with celebrating other people's ethnicity, ethnic holidays or other people's differences. I welcome other people's differences. The thing I have is I'm not going to celebrate it to the, to the diminishment of my own. So in other words, I'll go so far, but if you ask me to wear the green shirt and put a shamrock around my neck and wear a leprechaun sticker, eh, not really feeling that too tough, but I, you know, I'll go party with you, <laughs> you know. But I, I don't wear Nike emblems and swooshes, and I don't, I don't advertise. So well, you know, we'll, no. we'll get into we'll get into that a little deeper. I, I listen. I agree with you, and I, I wore green on St. Patrick's Day, but that's <laughs> there's a reason for that. I don't have anything. I don't have anything against it because I participated in it. In it 
But it's not as if it's done um, in a magnanimous way. If you if you are involved with the corporates, let me repeat this: if you are involved with the corporates, wearing green on St. Patrick's Day uh, and eating cabbage <laughs> or uh, <laughs> eating or what well, you know what I'm talking about. Or eating, um, or, or or just eating Italian cuisine for any miscellaneous reason. I have no problems with it, but when it's your turn, very rarely reciprocated. Now, do, do you have to go to a break now? Right now, because I'm getting on a roll right now. I mean, I want to make a connection here, but if you have to, you have to. But I wanted to All say right, something well, through. All right, go. Let's, let's we'll, we'll power through. Go ahead. Go ahead. The, the thing is. And I, I, well, listen, Michael Dean, uh, he cuts my virtual check, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, I do. I, so I'm not trying to blow up my spot too much, but and I respect I respect Michael Dean immensely. Um, <clears throat> however, it's the, to me, it's the same thing. Maybe it's not uh, a direct correlation in terms of ethnicity, but you know, it's the same thing when July Fourth rolls around. Okay, listen, <clears throat> I will celebrate July Fourth. Because I am an American, I've been around the world, seen a lot of different countries, I'm always happy to come back to America. But I realize part of that is because I was born here, I don't know anything other than living in America. And I've lived overseas, well, I've traveled overseas for weeks at a time, but I've lived in America. If I were born elsewhere, I probably wouldn't feel the same, you know, I'd probably feel the same way about uh, that country, but I was born here. I'm proud to be an American. But you're not going to see me draped in the American flag with my red, white, and blue tie and my flag shirt. I- I'm not doing that <clears throat> because just like um, you know the asterisk on the Chicago White Sox or whatever that team, they, they have an asterisk beside their name because they they cheated or whatever. I think a lot of Black Americans they put that asterisk on July 4th because. Although we love this country, we know we know the game. We know the deal. So for me, it's kind of the same thing. I, I will celebrate your ethnicity. I welcome that. We're a melting pot. But don't ask me to assimilate 100%, uh, I, I, you know, when I have no identification with what your background is, because I know you don't have any identification with mine. So let's let's just keep this 100. That that's my position. That's 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 what I was trying to communicate on the show. Yeah, well, see, my thing with it uh, again. I listened to the show. We're talking about the po- podcast juice, folks. Podcastjuice.net, and uh, I, I listen to you, to you guys quite often. And I every once in a while, when you go, where you personally go, somewhat in a conservative bent, or even not even a conservative bent, I just understood what you were talking about. This was not a phenomenon that is unknown. So I was, I was, I don't know if they were, I don't know if they were quote unquote trolling you, because now I'm, I'm at the point where I think people troll folks when they pretend they don't know what you're talking about. This is, this is a very clear thing, especially as, as a minority and more specifically as a black person. Um, I can recollect one of my early jobs after uh, graduating from Hampton, g- going into the into the workplace. And at this time, uh, Dr. King's holiday had been around, but
but it was it was it was still very much still very much the kind of thing that you not all and even to this day not all and this is a national holiday not all businesses take off on Dr. King's day so uh, out of reverence I would take a personal day for a for a day that was clearly a national holiday and upon returning to the workplace the following day or if it's you know near the weekend or whatever when I would return rather matter-of-factly nonchalantly maybe innocently cue my white co-workers and I hate to go into the color thing not even color ethnicity they would say to me how was your day exactly. how was, oh I hate that oh my god was, I hate that how was your day and, and and in my head I'm thinking this is a national holiday it's not my day do you know you know you can also celebrate the day yourself the fact that I'm the fact that I work with you is a testament to what Dr. King to Dr. King's sacrifice. Whether it's intra, I'm sorry, interracial friendships, whether it's interracial friendships or interracial liaisons at the workplace, the reason why the reason why I am your colleague is because of the sacrifice that Dr. King made. But still, you would be told. How was your day? How was your special day? Or even worse, I've had white coworkers say to me, "Happy birthday," and I want to punch them in the face. Today's not my birthday. It's if anything, we should. It's it's everyone's birthday if you want to look at it that way. Because Martin Luther King stood for everyone: uh, poor people, white people, black people, Asian people. So yeah, I, I I know exactly what you're saying. It's it's very frustrating. It's a subversive way to say, how was your black holiday? Right. As a po- and, and, and again, it's a national holiday, so it's not a black holiday. You can celebrate as a, any ethnicity for what he stood for, and especially considering how, up until January 20th, how everyone is supposed to be together. Like the, 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 the multi-ethnic comfort the multi-racial uh, comfort, or however you want to describe it, the way modern society works today, where, where everyone, at least on the surface, interacts, and, and these friendships and relationships and marriages and, and, and seeing blackish on TV and, and, and cheering for uh, your, your favorite basketball player or when Prince or Michael Jackson did their thing. All of modern culture, post-civil rights, that we take for granted – when you see Mafia 3 coming out as a video game and it is uh, the, a black protagonist that a white person will purchase with reckless abandon. Or when you pick up a Rihanna record and it has her, her visage on the cover where in 1960 you wouldn't see a black person on the cover. All that ish that we take for granted today, that black, brown, white, yellow, red, that space that we, that we take for granted now is 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 rests on the heels of Dr. King, which means everybody can participate in that in that day. But mind you, at the same work at the same workplace or workplaces all over the country, you will have a white colleague say, "You're going to wear green, right?" Not, <laughs> "Are you going to wear? You're going to wear green, right?" 
Come on, wear green. You gotta wear green. I can't wait to see you wear green. It's it's so matter of fact, so matter of factly, so much into pushing you. It's pushing you into you gotta do that, right? But again, and, and also when it comes down to company picnics or anything like that, and it comes down to to cuisine, you might get Thai food. You might, but the <laughs> default food cue is Italian food. Now I'm like, why can't we get some? Why can't we get some some Caribbean food in here? Shout out to the captain. Why can't we get some soul food where I know black folks know how to burn some pots respectfully? I know. Q. It, it even it even goes as far to, uh, and this is kind of an inside joke, but people know where I'm coming from. Sweet potato pie versus pumpkin pie. There's a, there's a racial component to even that. It goes to a stuffing versus dressing. <laughs> yes, and I and I've seen, I've seen coworkers. I, I had a, a a colleague one time bring in sweet potato pie. Her white compatriots couldn't get enough of it, but she she was coy about what it was, because if you if if you knew it was wasn't pumpkin pie, you might say you don't like it. This is how insidious this works. So I don't understand why your your compatriots, and this is with peace and love, peace and love, peace and love, they weren't being honest with you. You break this stuff down, no. Uh, I have no problems wearing green. Hell, I even like the color green, truth be told. But uh, when it's time, when it's reciprocal time, when it's reciprocal time, they don't know who you are. And it's, and it's never true, true diversity. True diversity means that uh, the the euro standard is should not always be the default standard. Try some try some collard greens and some sweet potato pie and some sweet potatoes. I'm just saying. I mean, let me ask you this, Steve. How, how many white folks have you seen wearing red, black, and green on West uh, uh, Caribbean, the West Indian Day up in uh, up in Brooklyn? Well, <laughs> Cap, you better you better answer that question because see. Uh, in enclaves, you will see some radical black uh, white people. I'm talking about, about maybe two. That's about in it. In a corporate situation. You heard what Captain about said, two, though, right? Did you hear what Captain said? Yeah. About two. About two out yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna walk, we get we're gonna hang shamrocks around our necks. No symbolism there. And, and and I'm saying I have no problem with the Irish people. It's not about that. It's just about. I can't. I can only identify with you so far, <laughs> so don't expect me to come wearing green. I'm sorry. I just, you know. Listen, listen. Uh, the Oracle, our family, we have had corned beef and cabbage and that kind of thing. There's things that we, you can do. It's fine. Um, but when it comes down to flipping the script, single de Mayo, uh, so Juneteenth, you can whatever it is. It's never really reciprocated the same way. The, de- the default standard for holidays seems to fall on the Euro way. And that's fine, but wouldn't it be interesting? Wouldn't it be interesting? Because I've been in the company of, of white folks, and I hate to use them as, as, the, as, the, um, as, as the linchpin, but this is, where, this is where we are, where they have been introduced and have, to some of this stuff, and it's it's fine. I mean, I've been around, listen. I go to Afropunk. It's a whole different scene. Those 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 white folks are they're down. They're not the problem. 
Our friend John Hutton is down. He's listening to us. He's not the problem. We're talking about the mainstream-ish, that that's the problem. The controllers are the problem. But I I just had to – I really wish I was able to have have been on that broadcast with you because I don't know what the hell they were talking about. They was like, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with with, uh, exchanging? (laughs) Well, there's nothing wrong with exchanging, but exchanging has to be an equal exchange. Don't tell me – how was your day? And then you're going, you're going to do that. You're going to do that. Uh, you're going to wear that green, right? Can't wait to see you wearing green. It's a given. It's a given. How insulting is that? Now, I, now on the flip side, I will say if a white person asks me, do you celebrate Kwanzaa? I'm have to look in like a. Hey, well, uh, hey. you can't have everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I plan to get around to it. I will. I do plan to get around to it. <laughs> you know. And, and really, Kwanzaa is a reaction. We, I think we should go to Groove in a moment. But Kwanzaa is a reaction because of all the holidays that we do not have. We had to invent one or create one off the cuff. Shout out to Karenga. But um, that, that's kind of a reaction to all this. Really. If, we, if we're going to be 100, 100% on that, it's, it's a reaction, I think. Folks, uh, again, you've been listening to, of course, Q-Storm, Mighty Q-Storm from Podcast Juice. Sergio from Shy Towns of Shadow and Act. Always check out Shadow and Act. Um, I've been really digging this new artist. Uh, now I forgot his name already. <laughs> Rag and Bone, pardon me. Rag and Bone. Uh, I guess the, the male version of Adele. I just, I'm just curious. He sounds a hell of a lot, uh, Cass. Wouldn't you say that Rag and Bone, he sounds a lot like a- Anthony Hamilton. But Anthony Hamilton, I don't, I don't think, got 100 million views out from the gate. I mean, that just goes to show you what's going on here. All right. Anyway, uh, when we get back, I want to talk about this Georgetown University employee that discovered that his descendant was a, a, a slave that was sold by the university to keep the university solvent. So uh, it's, I'm going to play a clip from Roland Martin's show on that one, but it's, it's fascinating to hear these stories, and it's fascinating for, for, for this young man to tell you his story and how he found out. And, you know, I've, I've referenced this book. I would advise our listenership to get this book. It's called Ebony and Ivy, Ebony and Ivy. And essentially it encapsulates how many of these esteemed Ivy League, Ivy League institutions were – kept afloat because of the sale of indentured, not indentured, pardon me, of enslaved Africans. And this is one of many things. Insurance companies, I mean, a business of antiquity in the Americas is all about slavery. The bedrock of this country really deals with the, the commerce of African slaves. Can't say any better. Can't say any more succinct than that. Okay. This is uh, Anderson Pack's side group called Knowledge. This is Feeling. Feeling. About two minutes. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about this gentleman from Georgetown. Hold on. Feeling like a cancer battle. What 
Imagine finding out that your employer was also your ancestor's slave owner. This is the reality for a Georgetown University employee who recently found out that the school owned and sold his great-great-great-grandmother in 1838. Georgetown was saddled with debt, and this new generation of American Jesuits sought to reorient the society to urban schools instead of plantations. By 1838, McSherry and Thomas Mullady, who together served as president of Georgetown for most of the preceding decade, secured permission from Rome to sell the society's 272 slaves. The pair negotiated a sale to two Louisiana planters for over $100,000. That was a student speaking at a slavery teaching held at Georgetown last year to educate the student body about the school's slave history. Our next guest is a descendant of one of the 272 slaves that were sold to help the school get out of debt. Joining us right now uh, is Jeremy Alexander, who is an executive assistant in Georgetown's Office of Technology. Jeremy, thanks a bunch. So, so what was it was fascinating about um, this story uh, is that when it was uncovered, when people think of Georgetown now, they think about this extremely prosperous. Uh, private university, Catholic university. I mean, they, uh, everything that goes with it, everything goes with it. But at its foundation, it is purely American. That is, its foundation is on the backs of slaves. Correct. When did you find out that one of those 272 was one of your ancestors? And how did you find out? Sure. Uh, over the last few years, my wife Leslie and I have been working on Ancestry.com to do research on our family. In 2014, we took DNA tests as well, and I got both of my parents to do the DNA test. And that has opened up many doorways for us to learn more information about our families. And then it was actually the Wednesday before Thanksgiving that I wound up having a phone call with Melissa Kemp, who sent me an email through Ancestry saying, you've got to call me right away. Who's Melissa Kemp? Melissa Kemp turns out to be one of my uh, cousins, okay. a distant cousin. And so when we had this conversation, she said, you know, you have Anna Jones on your family tree. I said, yes, yeah, she's my great-grandmother on my father's side. 
I said, but I can't go back any further than her and her husband, Horace Harrison Alexander. She said, well, let me take you back. She said her ancestor was Louisa Mahoney, and she had a sister, Anna Mahoney Jones, and that's who I'm a descendant of. And when you look at the ship manifest that Georgetown has a list of, you see Anna Mahoney, her son Arnold Jones Jr., age nine, and her uh, daughter Louisa at age six on this ship. So from there, then um, Arnold Jones Jr. had Anna Jones, who then uh, wound up getting married to Horace Harrison Alexander, who had my grandfather, Albert Alexander, and then my dad, Arnold Alexander Sr. And when this becomes public, I mean, here you are, an employee, literally of a university that were it not for those slaves being sold, would not exist today. This university was in that much trouble financially. Correct, correct. And I just think it's amazing. Uh, I mean, I watched the events that happened in the fall. Uh, I mean, you walk around going, this is ours, this is my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it's just that I'm sitting there, and when Melissa explained this history to me, I'm sitting, and I had to tell her, I said, I have to explain this to you. You're talking to me, and I'm sitting here at Georgetown University, and I'm just blown away by that whole concept. You know, I wanted to be in higher education at a Catholic institution because I'm Catholic. The family is still Catholic, and that is so important to us. And it's all right. Um, it's a rather lengthy clip. It's available on YouTube, of course. To simply put in uh, Georgetown employee slave ancestor or Jeremy Alexander, slave ancestor Georgetown. It's very easy to, to look up. Um, I, I find this story fascinating, and I actually downloaded the um, Ebony and Ivy book maybe two years ago. Um, I, I have to complete the book, but I do recollect some of the stories, and they're amazing. When you, when you read how Harvard was was financed by slavery. I mean, it, many of these institutions, it, it's, it was far deeper than just um, plantation life. When you think about the fact that, uh, like an insurance company like, like Cigna, that Cigna has records of having insured uh, but slavery. I, I think it's funny to think about Cigna, which, which is very proficient. Uh, with my crewmates very proficient uh, insurance company, very ubiquitous insurance company that's around to this day, that the historical record plainly states, plainly shows the, the uh, policies of, of enslaved Africans that had insurance for them by their, by their masters. So um, we saw that Georgetown, I think within the last year, made the news because they they conceded to a type of uh, you, you I, I, I hate to use the term you can't say reparations but I guess maybe maybe it, it is a type of reparations because of this past because of the, the sale of these 270 some odd enslaved Africans that any of the the folks from that lineage of those of those 
uh, Africans, they can go to Georgetown for free, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that's kind of a capitulation, you know. But again, when you go into the economics, it's a pittance. When you go into the economics, it, it's a pittance. But uh, I think that if you look at the clip of Mr. Alexander being interviewed, you, you can see his face, like he's shook. You know, when you, I, for many African Americans, when you think about slavery and the lineage, it's, it's, it's in your heart. For many of us, it's in your heart. But when you actually look at the slave manifest and you start to look at the, some of the documentation that's available, when they're able to make the connections, it is something. It is something. I, I would definitely like to, to do this. Um, I know Dr. Henry Louis Gates, Skip Gates, especially for, the, for those who are um, celebrated, you know, the, the celebrities, those folks of means as a matter of entertainment and, or edutainment, I should say. I've, I've seen how he's able to really give a detailed synopsis of the genealogy for many of these individuals. And I wish I could get the same kind of treatment, but I do believe that some, uh, there are businesses like ancestry.com. I, I might actually use ancestry.com out of curiosity to see what they come up with, but you know, it's, it's very close to home. The sense that this, this, that this dude works at Georgetown and his uh, great, great, great grandmother was you know was sold from this institution. What are your thoughts about this? Q? Would you like to go into something like this to find out perhaps a similar story? You're talking about uh, doing some like a genealogy research on my family. Right. That and and also if if you were to find that that kind of connection, where an institution you're familiar with, for all intents and purposes, owns you. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what they did. <clears throat> I mean, that's what it is. Listen, I, I, I'll, I'll answer that cryptically. Um, yeah, I always get on my parents. My parents are getting uh, getting up in years, and I tell them that I know so little about my family, and I always badger them about. Please tell me, give me, give me some stories. I want to hear. Tell me what. Tell me what you know. Tell me what because my my all my ancestors died young through, through tragic. Uh, a lot of them died young. To tragic means, but um, but on the flip side, to your point, sometimes the past should just stay in the past. I don't know where I stand on that, man. I really don't. I, it, it, it's 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 kind of scary, to be honest. I I see our friend John Hutton. He's asking a question. He says, "Was it Ancestry.com that did the genetic test for that white supremacist, and it turned out that he was part black?" I don't I don't know. <laughs> I remember that. I don't know what. What organization did the testing? But I recollect that it was that he was on some he was on some TV show. I believe the uh, host was a, an attractive uh, Afro Brit, and uh, it's probably on YouTube somewhere. But when she came back with his test, he was kicked out of the clan. Everything was shut down. <laughs> Everything kind of goes away. You said Maury, I think. There might have, but I remember it was it was a black woman. Unless this this is a story that's been around. This might even be a different supremacist, but this that's not an uncommon thing. Am I correct that Al Sharpton found out he was related to Strom Thurmond through some sort of? Uh... We, we have yet to get 
a test on that. How it works is there are white Sharptons, meaning that uh, the Sharpton family are close relatives of the Thurmans. They're, they're in the same family. And uh, I, I believe that the Thurmans or the Sharptons owned his family. Now, whether there's any kind of uh, genetic thing going on, we know that Strom Thurmond likes the, like the brown sugar. That's for sure. We know that. <laughs> he, now, he didn't want to be seen with you. He didn't want to be seen with you uh, outside and about. But under the sheets, he had no problems with that because he had a black daughter who died within the last couple of years, who was an educator himself, herself. And that was the that was an awkward relationship, very strange. You said, you said under the sheets there was no black and white, only pink. It seems that way. I mean, you have to remember the Strom Thurmond, Strom Thurmond, ran on the segregationist ticket of the Democratic Party, the Dixiecrats, in 1948. So he was all about segregation. So how does someone? This is this is the hypocrisy. This is this is why you 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 look at these these people and and you you know. It's, uh, Captain's predecessor, Iron Man, often said that he 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 wished that racism would be deemed a psychological disorder, like from a psychiatrist's point of view. Uh, we interviewed um, uh, Dr. Cosby's consultant, um, uh, uh, Poussant, Poussant, who was a consultant on the. Dr. Poussaint from Harvard, Harvard um, Psychiatrist, and I believe he's the one that came up with the notion, Alvin Poussaint, I had to think of his name, uh, he's the one that came up with the notion that racism should be deemed a mental disorder. Why that, why that has not been, and I, you know, we have about seven minutes, seven minutes remaining, I, I should mention this too, think about all the time that it took for this horrible killing of Timothy Kaufman. Timothy Kaufman, to the listening audience, this is a local story, but I think it went national. Um, just an innocent older man, minding his own business, somewhat one of those men that kind of you know wanders around. He's 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 a, a kind of a lovable, affable character of New York City. He was uh, killed by this monster, uh, Midtown Manhattan, broad daylight, twenty-eight-year-old guy from from Baltimore. Because he was simply black. He was looking to kill black people. And it took all this time for, for the word terrorism in a mainstream setting to be connected to a white supremacist. I mean, clearly, the randomness of this crime and who this person was. I mean, this guy was uh, an innocent older man, uh, very much into kind of a starstruck kind of guy that would wander. There's pictures of him on his Facebook with Beyonce and all, all these stars, uh, just you know, he he met uh, the late John Rockefeller. Was it Rock? Who was the Rockefeller that just passed on? Was it John Rockefeller? Uh, David. David. Uh, yeah, John. Way before that. Yeah, David. Thank you. David Rockefeller passed on, and he met him once. So this guy was an affable dude. Uh, he kills him just because he's black, and they finally came to came to the realization, the media, that this was a terrorist. Act, not that 
going back 100-plus years, that all the, the hangings and the fire burning, that wasn't considered terrorism. But we finally got around to equating it for what it is, a terrorist act. But can, can uh, I say something? With, can, same thing, one, one point. Same thing with racism should be, should be deemed a mental disorder. But if that were the case, if that were the case, calling racism mental disorder, then they'd have to do something about it. I'm just saying. Can I say one thing? Let me just add this to, to something recently. This woman, I mean, what defines blackness? This woman, Rachel. Uh, what's this woman who went around saying she was black? Rachel, Rachel Dolezal. Uh, okay, right. My sister. Right, she's got a Go book ahead. coming out. Right, she's got a book <laughs> coming out. You know, uh, she's got some book coming out, and she's been doing doing some media stuff for it. And the thing that really strikes me is how angry black people are with this woman. I must tell you something. She doesn't bother me at all. I don't see what the fuss is. If she wants to call herself black, fine. Let her call herself black. What I have a problem with are black people who deny who they are. That's what bothers me. Black people who go out of the way to say that they're part this or they're part that or... Calibanasian, whatever Tiger Woods called himself, people who black people who bend over backwards to deny who they are. I think Sergio, the problem. I'm white, I'm white Sergio. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, he saw you. The problem I have. Right. I I think I think the problem people have is that um, um, calling yourself black is the worst thing you can do. Like you know, you got to be crazy to call yourself black. Like how you know you what person in their right mind want to be considered they're black? That's why I think the real problem is. So that's why I don't have a problem with this woman. I don't know why she gets black people so upset. I don't care. Well, you know what? Again, you know that that infamous Dave Chappelle racial draft. Uh, there's some folks I'd like to have exchange right. <laughs> going back to some of these minstrels. You, you could take Bow Wow. Because Bow Wow, he he's come up with some 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 recent effery that's absurd. Right. About about his right ethnicity. right. He's he's biracial or something something like that. He said recently, really, you know. Yeah, exactly. He decided he's 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 on something. He's on some 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 wicked weed, some wacky weed, from his uh from his uncle uh, Calvin Brodus, aka Snoop Dogg. Um, I'm like you, Sergio. I don't really, I don't have, I don't have any anger towards this woman at all, and, and maybe because there have been folks, and I mentioned this, Effa Manley as one, but there's been a number of people throughout history. See, no one ever, no one ever thinks that the passing can go on the opposite side. I think there's even a book. There's a book. I was trying to get the author. Uh, you, the book is simply called Passing. The book is called Passing. True story of a white male that fell in love. With a black woman, he was a white male of means. That's another thing too. If you're a white male of means, why would you flip the script? But he was in so love with this woman that he became a black man. That he uh, changed his identity and, and lived his life as a black man. It's not that uncommon. Effa Manley, uh, it, her her she was the a owner of the um, Newark the Newark Eagles, the Negro baseball team. And uh, her racial history is somewhat murky. 
that her either her stepfather was black or she was or her father was black, but it was so murky that I mean she lived a black life. Uh Johnny Otis. Johnny Otis, the famed singer who was the father of Shuggy Otis. Shuggy Otis. Johnny Otis, when this is I played this clip. Now he did it he phrased it the right way. If 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 Rachel Dolezal had heard of Johnny Otis, this would have been her deal. She would have been she would have been fully indoctrinated. There would have been any beef. When they asked when when they asked Johnny uh Johnny Otis what his ethnicity was, he said, "I'm black. I'm black." He said, "In my blood in my bones, I'm a black person." And he said, "Well, what do you mean?" He said, he said, he said, "If you want to get technical, my people are from Greece, but culturally, spiritually, socially, I'm a black person. I can't hate on that." Now, she went some other way. She went some she went some convoluted way, but listen. She went to to Howard. She went to a lot she wore she wore weave she wore a black weave the way black women wear white weaves. Isn't that something? This is when you start to realize yeah. this is this whole thing is absurd. The whole concept of race. And I, well, I you know honest, this too. I saw a picture before and after. She didn't get it after. <laughs> I would say <laughs> I would say it out of Afro out of Afro nerd turn out of turn. I saw her feet and she was tanned. She get it. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, you know, well, you know, you 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 you're 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 a, you're a comic book guy. You know, comic book yeah. guy. You know, Crazy Cat. Crazy Cat yeah. was considered oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, first yeah. The cartoonist black. The, the first the first um um uh, comic book or comic character ever back right. in the turn of the century. Crazy Cat was created by George Harriman. George Harriman was a black man who passed for white all yes. his life. That's why he always wore a hat. Because, yes. Because <laughs> every picture you ever see of George Harriman, is up, he's always wearing a hat. The jig is up. Right. Uh, on, on that note, uh, as always, as always, um, Serge, you come in. It gets heavy when we have to close shop. Um <laughs> We'll be back on Saturday. We need a three-hour show. That's what we need. We need a three-hour show. I might extend it one of these days. Actually, we could do that. Uh, Saturday, we have the Grindhouse. There's going to be a lot to discuss, a lot to get into, folks. So check us out Saturday with, of course, the Uncanny Daryl B., yours truly, Captain Kirk, and our Left Coast correspondent, Claire Lene. Um, we're going to give you some more of Rag and Bone, Rag and Bone. This is another uh, human remix. See you on Saturday, folks. It's been real. Maybe I'm foolish, maybe I'm blind. Thinking I can see through this and see what's behind. Got no way to prove it, so maybe I'm lying. I'm only human after all I'm only human after all Don't put your blame on me Don't put your blame on me Take a look in the mirror And what do you see? Do you see it clearer? Or are you deceived? In what you believe Cause I'm only human 